From Outside Magazine and PRX, these are Dispatches, stories from our writers in the field. All the best sports movies are comedies, probably because professional athletes take themselves really seriously, so they're easy to make fun of. And almost every sport has had its moment. NASCAR has Talladega Nights. Shake and bake. Baseball has Major League. Golf has Happy Gilmore. Nearly every other sport has at least an Airbud movie. Ain't no rules that the dog can't play basketball. But they weren't ever able to teach a golden retriever how to ride a bike. And so professional cycling hasn't ever gotten a proper lampooning by professional comedians. That changes this weekend when Andy Samberg's Tour de Pharmacy debuts on HBO. Stage 13 of the Tour de France, quite possibly the most difficult climb of the entire race. It's a send-up of the Tour de France, perhaps the most self-serious sporting event in the world. And when the trailer appeared online a few months ago, our editor-in-chief, Chris Kyes, immediately said, we've got to do something about this on the podcast. If you had to summarize the plot... In like a few sentences, what would your attempt be? Okay, I will try. But essentially, the the the, the plot is that at the 1982 Tour de France, um, doping was so rampant that I think all but five riders were um, barred from the tour. So it ended up being just five riders uh, that year, and from there uh, it gets. Uh, even more bizarre because one rider drops out when he falls in love with a young farmer and another dies uh, when his heart explodes on the top of a climb. Downhill. No one even knew he was dead for about 12 kilometers. Look at that form. He's perfectly still for optimum wind resistance. Like none of this matters. Is no, the plot does not matter. The plot is just a vehicle for... Uh, a ton of of um, some some gags that land and um, some that don't, but most mostly I would say that land. The obvious joke at the center of Tour de Pharmacy is that everyone is on drugs, sometimes a lot of drugs. In the autopsy, they found out Juju was on EPO and cocaine, also some insulin and anabolic steroids, oxabalone and nandrolone, trace amounts of norethandrolone and ferazabal. They even found some heroin in his system. There was also letrozone and cyclazidone, some estrogen receptor modulators, raloxifene and tamoxifen, probably to ward off breast growth. A lot of oxycodone in his blood, phentermine as well, ortetamine, bunalol, and labatalol. Plus he had apparently huffed ethanol and taken a couple MDAs. He had clearly smoked some crystal meth and or crack, and there was a hormone from monkey testicles that he had cooked down into a broth that he drank he also had apparently eaten at least one sandwich from Arby's. So it's that kind of show. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is taken seriously. Not even our interview with executive producer and previous outside cover boy, Andy Samberg. Not really. What's his relationship with the magazine? Uh, tenuous at best. And in fact, uh, at the start of our interview, we, we, we joke a little bit about that because I think uh, he and I are are you know equally surprised that um, two years in a row we found a reason to to cover him because he's not he's not a classically outside outside guy he's not passionate about uh, he's not a big roadie himself or um, but this movie obviously transects with our world um, pretty perfectly so I absolutely wanted to talk to him. Here's Chris talking with Andy. 
Um, okay, so Tour de Pharmacy, which is coming out July 8th. It's just an awesome send-up of cycling. Uh, I have to start. I was not expecting so much full frontal male nudity. Was that, was that a goal at the start? Um, it's becoming a trend in my work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is uh, the second sports documentary we've done with HBO, we being Murray Miller and myself and also our director, Jake Szymanski. Um And the first one we did was called Seven Days in Hell. It was about Wimbledon tennis, a match that took place there. And that also had full frontal male nudity. And then I made the movie Popstar with my Lonely Island bros, and we had full frontal male nudity in that. And I'm starting to realize that I might have a thing for wangs. <laughs> well, it takes some bravery. I'm not sure who the actor was that had to wear the uh, see-through spandex, but um, my heart goes out to him because not only did he have to go through that, but then uh, he gets ridiculed by Lance in, in the scene. <laughs> he loves it. He's a comedian named Chris Romano. He's an old friend of ours. And he sort of dug, carved out that niche for himself because he's constantly getting naked unprompted socially. Um, so anytime we write something where we need somebody to get naked, he's, he's the first name that pops to mind. So he was actually naked in Seven Days in Hell also. <laughs> so it's it's not a tough ask for him. No, he's kind of the only recurring character so far in these two. <laughs> yeah, his junk is in both. That's uh, that's saying something. That's He can go out on his career with that. <laughs> um, but you mentioned Seven Days in Hell, which was great. And I... I just curious, so, so why did you guys turn to cycling? Were you already a fan of the sport, or was it just an easy target? A um, little bit of both. I mean, we we really kind of go on instinct where it's like we, we would say the sports we were sort of considering, and when that one came up, especially the idea of – because obviously we're, we're not taking these things seriously. We're thinking of, like, what's a good jumping-off platform to do something really crazy – and the fact that cycling, A, has so much spandex and sort of fun visual stuff happening with it, combined mm-hmm. with uh, its history of, you know, sort of nefarious behavior and, and the long history in cycling of doing whatever it takes to get ahead, uh, seemed like a fun thing to sort of blow up. So so what is that process? Because it seemed like you guys did did your research. I mean, you hit on all the easy targets like shaved legs, but I love some of the details like like the name Juju Pepe. I mean, that couldn't be anything but a cyclist. <laughs> I have to give credit to Murray on that one, Murray Miller, who wrote it. Um, but, yeah, we love we love all the names. Dittmer Clerken is another one that makes us laugh yeah. a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the there's a lot of stuff sort of, that's not that far from the truth in it. You know, like we saw, we actually had the bit about a motor in a bicycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was written before there was that 60 minutes story about it, how it like maybe was a really prevalent thing and no one yeah, knows about yeah. that maybe is going to someday come out. And, but all that stuff is just, it feels larger than life. It feels crazier than what reality could possibly be. And uh, it, it was a nice, it was a fun place to start because we were like, and we know we're going to go even crazier. So it, it, yeah, it was good source material. So as, as the movie goes on, 
you start to realize that there's no big message here. There's no like statement. Um, they're just really having fun and like trying stuff out. Um, but you still have Lance Armstrong in the movie talking about doping. So it feels like, it feels like there's about to be some statement or, you know, there's almost like an implicit statement about cycling and doping. Um, what did you make of Armstrong being in the film? Um, well, first I would have been almost shocked if he wasn't, um, when I saw the trailer, that was the first that I had heard that he was involved with this. But I can imagine if, if you're producing a, a mockumentary about cycling, you know, the first person you're thinking you want to cast somehow in this film is, is Lance Armstrong. Um, I also wasn't surprised that he participated because I think, as we've seen over the last few years since his confession, that he's he's kind of he's trying to make his way, find his way back into the uh, public sphere. And the part that they created for him kind of fits perfectly with his overall narrative and defense these days, which is essentially, yeah, I did dope, but um, name me a writer that was in my era that wasn't. Um, and that's essentially the takeaway of this film that, like I said, that you know, 200 something writers were banned from this, um, this mock tour in 1982 because they were all doping. And that's his narrative. Armstrong appears as an anonymous character. He's supposed to be backlit, except as the show goes on, people keep turning on lights. His voice is distorted, but you can clearly see that it's him. That final day of the 1982 tour is what made me want to become a cyclist. It was like a great film. Action, romance, drugs. I was like, sign me the fuck up. Here we are. So I got to imagine that as soon as you decided to take on cycling that you had you'd figured you were going to find a uh, a spot for Lance Armstrong in this. How did you guys get him involved? Um, it started by Murray just wrote that part for him into the script, and we read it, and it was making us laugh really hard. And we were like, "Do you think he would ever do it? I don't know. I don't know where his head's at." So we figured it couldn't hurt to ask, so we just uh, reached out and um, sent the script and. And they thought it was really funny, him and his, his, you know, his guys. So we got on the phone, and I kind of just told him the deal of what we were making. And he watched Seven Days in Hell and thought it was funny. And I think just was like, screw it. Yeah, it seems like a funny thing. Let's do it. Um, and yeah. He was very receptive. And we went down to Austin and hung out with him and shot it. And kind of threw a lot of new stuff at him, too, like while we were shooting. And he was super into it and kind of just went a whole bunch of different places. Yeah, well, I always wonder what it's like uh, for comedians and actors to to work with a professional athlete like that. Like I, I was thinking about LeBron James and Trainwreck, and he was so good. Um, and no offense to Lance, but he was terrible in Dodgeball. Much better in this one. But like, how do you how do you get somebody like that? <laughs> how do you get somebody like that comfortable in this kind of a situation, especially when they're you know they're surrounded by people who are professionally funny? And being asked to be funny. Yeah. Well, he didn't have to act off of anybody. So that's a good mm -hmm. start because he could just be himself, truly. Um, and also, you know, it's like a talking head interview format. So we kind of sort of mixed it up. We asked him to do some straight lines that we had written. And then other times we had him kind of just talk about subjects. And then we go like, oh, that's good. Can you say that? But rephrase it a little bit differently so we can use it and stuff like that. Um, but he was 
really comfortable when we shot with him. And I, I had met him once before. He hosted SNL while I was there. Um, and I think that was more difficult of a task for someone who's not like an actor first, you know? Yeah. I imagine that was often really difficult on SNL when you're working with people who aren't, aren't used to doing that. Yeah. Although sometimes it's even tough for really good actors because they're not used to reading cards because it's Mm -hmm. all on cue cards. Mm -hmm. So there's some, some actors that are really like method that want to look at the person they're acting with and not be staring at the cue cards. And it's, it's tricky. So it's not just because people are athletes. This project is coming out just a few days before the tour starts. Um, that's obvious. That's got to be on purpose, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. And actually, you know, you know, watching this and thinking about that, the fact that the, the tour is about to start, I sort of realized um, I have, I'm not watching the tour this year. Um, it's harder to watch. Uh, it's not televised in, as, as abundantly as it used to be. I, during the Lance era, I was up every morning watching every stage, um, which was a sort of a shock to me because before his arrival on the scene, I, I viewed uh, Tour de France riding like watching NASCAR racing. I just didn't understand why you would sit in front of a TV and watch this, um, like watching the paint dry. But as you start to get into it, you realize there's all this nuance and strategy that's really fascinating. And bike racing is an awesome sport to watch, especially, you know, things like the mountain stages. So I was kind of lamenting the fact when I was watching this film that I just, that's not a part of my life anymore. I just don't watch it. Um, and, you know, I think cycling, um, has taken a huge hit as a result of all these scandals. And there's only three American riders in the tour this year, which is a decade's low, which says a lot about where the sport is, at least at least in terms of the American public and how they view it. Yeah. There's a there's like an idea in comedy that that uh, comedy equals tragedy plus time. Um, I think you can you can look at Lance as kind of like this this big a massive tragedy a story of tragedy um and i i kind of wonder if this film is a question mark like has it been enough time like can we laugh about this yet yeah i mean i think the 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 film is such a it's it's it goes so far into slapstick comedy that um i think that that it it would be funny 10 years ago. It'd be funny now. Um, but it is interesting to see that some of the gags are really, um, maybe not based directly, but they seem to be on some real tragic things that have happened in cycling. And the movie opens with this fictional writer, Juju Pepe, uh, leading a climb, um, until he gets to the top and his heart literally explodes and something not, too unlike that happened in the 1967 tour when a British rider, Tom Simpson, um, had a heart attack on the on one of the climbs up Mount Ventoux, one of the legendary climbs, and died on his bike um, and was on a ton of amphetamines. And so um, if if time plus strategy equals comedy, this is a sort of test of of making light of a, of a real tragic moment in cycling. Yeah, yeah. Boy, that sounded that sounded that sounded dire. <laughs> Dark. <Yeah. laughs> As you can tell, Chris and I are thinking harder about this film than it's asking us to, which I think is the definition of being a nerd. Tour de Pharmacy is summer camp for movie stars. 
and Sandberg invited a lot of friends. As executive producer, are you heavily involved in, in putting a cast like this together? I mean, it's sort of endless, the number of stars you got into this thing. Yes, um, that was a big, big part of my job. You know, we we decided on stuff together, me and Murray and, and Jake, and um, we had a casting director help us and sort of reaching out to people. But that was a big part of it. I mean, I that's always one of the most fun elements of making any project for me is sort of thinking about who we could get to come and play around with maybe what everyone expects of them, which I think is part of the SNL training. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But, and also just, it's exciting to be like, whoa, I wonder if they would ever do it. I've always liked their stuff. I wonder if they would ever do it. Or like, you know, holy crap, Orlando Bloom was in Lord of the Rings and now he's doing this. (laughs) Right. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I imagine that a lot of people like love to do these kinds of projects because it's 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 got to be pretty easy work in terms of just the um, on the set is fun and um, they get to send up some of their their own character. For sure, and it's also pretty quick. I mean, everyone who did a Talking Head had a commitment of about two hours, which is oh, wow. these days to you can get to say like, yeah, I'm in that. I, I'm part of a whole thing that exists and it only took me two hours. It's definitely the kind of thing I would have trouble saying no to. <laughs> so uh, you've done these two for HBO. Is is there another one in the pipeline or another sport that you're going to take on? I think we know which one we're going to do next, but I'm not going to say in case we change our mind. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> But but yes, the idea is to keep doing them, to sort of have them be like the comedy 30 for 30 or the comedy HBO sports special. Yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. Listen, I really enjoyed it, and i um, glad we had a chance to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, Andy. All right. You too, man. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Chris Kai's Talking to Andy Sandberg. Tour de Pharmacy debuts on HBO this Friday, July 8th. This piece was produced by me and Chris Kai's. The song that you're hearing now is by Kola. We'll be back next week with a double X factor that takes us inside a secret sports bra research lab to answer the question, what's so hard about making a good sports bra? You know, a 36 nipple can go from zero to 60 faster than a Ferrari. (laughs) Much faster. Don't miss it. The Outside Podcast is a production of Outside Magazine and PRX.